Welcome to the Magic and Alchemy podcast, where we talk about witchcraft, setting intentions, forgotten folklore, and mythology. Created by Tamed Wild, magicandalchemy.com is a collection of stories, rituals, and articles crafted by a variety of creators and writers, including myself, Kristen Lizenby, and my co-host, Kate Ballou. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Magic and Alchemy podcast. I'm Kate Ballou. And I'm Kristen Lizenby. And today we are doing a little experiment with a mini episode. We're dropping by to say hello, wish you our best before we take off on our broomsticks to celebrate the new year. Today is the full moon. And although we're recording this a bit ahead, technology, this whole month has been absolutely intense astrologically. Yes, I dabble in astrology strictly for myself, (laughs) but I've been bugging all of my astrologer friends lately for every last bit of insight that they are willing to share with me. And I can tell just from talking to them that I'm not the only one seeking answers right now. So check in with your local astrologer friends, maybe buy them a cup of coffee, or just ask them how they're doing because they're pretty busy right now. That's absolutely true. (laughs) Mine are, my friends are so sick of me. (laughs) (laughs) But I'm no astrologer, however, with the solstice, the Saturn-Jupiter conjunction, and this full moon, the stars are definitely doing some work. Yeah, I actually just reached out to Riss, Tamed Wild's resident astrologer, to see if she's going to have a full moon musing up on magic and alchemy, and she assured me that she's going to. So if that's not already in your inbox, keep an eye out. Thank you, Riss. I also happened to start my Saturn return when Saturn entered Aquarius on the 17th. I love Saturn returns but maybe that's just because mine is over. (laughs) I know they're a wild ride, but it's such a revelatory process. What does that mean for you just to be stepping into your return right now? Are you ready to shake things up? Yeah, um, I was actually just talking to one of my most favorite green witches, Robin Rose Bennett, and I was telling her that it just kind of felt like I was constantly shape-shifting right now. Um, I have this goddess oracle deck, and in it, the goddess Vila is related to the shapeshifter. So I was reading a little bit more about that. So Vila is the Eastern European name for the goddess energy moving through the earth as nature. Vili, which is the plural version, are protective of the earth and shapeshift between snakes, swans, falcons, and horses. In the deck, Vila says that the way to wholeness lies in experiencing the whole of creation, which, sure, felt relevant on a personal level to me right now, but also collectively as we shift through the seasons and into a new year. Also, as we collectively shift into the age of Aquarius, which, again, let's default to risk there. Riss, if you're listening, we have questions. <laughs> but also, I love shapeshifters. And the v- Vili, is that how you say it? Mm-hmm, I think so. 
the Vili, they're new to me, so let me know if you make contact. Yeah, I may try some automatic writing later and see what they have to teach me. I would expect nothing less from a fellow word witch like yourself. So what do we want to talk about today? Some rituals, Christmas witches, crystals, all of the above? One of everything, please. Witches, moon rituals, and obsidian have been on my mind lately, so we have a lot to cover for a mini-episode. Yeah, I wanted to speak a little bit about La Befana today, another witch who has graced the children's books of Tommy DePaula. You can listen to Kristen and I talk about Streganona and DePaula's work in our Kitchen Witch episode. You know, when I was researching La Bifana, I couldn't help but notice the similarities between her and Streganona. As to me, they both fit the archetype of the hearth witch and maybe even the kitchen witch. Although cooking is a big part of Streganona's appeal, which is evident by her never-ending cauldron of pasta, La Bifana relies on another magical tool, the besom broom. Yes, La Bafana, otherwise known as the Christmas Witch, comes to us from Italian traditions that are thousands of years old but are still celebrated today. Legend has it that when the three wise men went to visit Jesus on Christmas, they were guided by a star. At every village they passed, new people would join their journey. However, there was one woman who did not join the wise men as she was caught up in her housework, like all good witches, probably performing a sweeping ritual at the end of the year. However, the next day, Bafana realized her error and ran after the wise men with her broom. But it was too late, and so now Bafana flies on her broomstick, house to house, delivering the gifts that she carried to good girls and boys. Ah, this is the happy version, which I think is the one that I like the best because I'm just a sucker for happy (laughs) endings. But I don't know, did you stumble upon a similar but darker tale of La Bifana? No, I didn't. I usually just think of her as super cheery. (laughs) Well, in the darker version, La Bifana has a young child who dies unexpectedly. She falls into a deep depression and essentially goes mad and becomes a bit delusional. But then she hears about the birth of Jesus, goes to see him, and mistakes him for her child. She's so elated to see who she thinks is her son that she showers him with all the presents. This makes Jesus extra fond of Bifana, and although he can't bring her son back to life, he gives her the title of mother to all Italian children. Oh, wow. I mean, chills. But that's definitely not the one that I know at all. So interesting. I think that I love La Bafana because she's so witch-like and crone-like, but is also this part of a biblical story, which I don't think I'm so used to. I agree. It's nice in some ways to show that overlap because, Mm -hmm. as you know, there's quite a bit of overlap when it comes to witchcraft and Christianity not to mention other religions. In a lot of the retellings that I came across, La Bifana was called the Pagan Santa Claus, which I loved. Oh, I love that too. Something worth noting is that Bifana's name, when translated, means epiphany, 
and that the Feast of Epiphany is on January 6th, which is the night that she flies across the sky. And so it's said that water prepared on this night can then ward off evil. I didn't know that. It's sort of like holy water then, something that people could carry or anoint themselves with as a layer of protection. Yeah, and also to um, place on their altar, maybe. Yeah. Obsidian, that you mentioned earlier, is also a lovely stone for protection, right? Yes, you read my mind. (laughs) And obsidian as a protective or purifying tool is how I see it and use it in my own practice. I have a rather large slab of obsidian that was my late grandfather's. Next to his gardening trowel, this is probably one of the things of his that I cherish the most. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure if you've heard this or if I've told you before, but while doing some crystal research a while back, I came across a few stories about families keeping a large chunk of obsidian by their front door. When you would come home from work, you would remove your shoes and place your foot atop the crystal. This was a way to ground any harmful energy that might be clinging to your aura so you didn't bring it into your home. I try to do something similar with my obsidian slab. It moves around, but is almost always near a doorway. I love that. It's such a good idea. I think that obsidian is a really intense one for me personally. Like I always feel that it brings what is not visible to the forefront kind of of whatever is going on. Yeah, it's amazing that you said that because for about a week now, obsidian has been showing up in my life, sort of like, hey, pay attention to me. I have something to tell you. But of course, I had no idea what the message was at the time. So I set an intention to receive a message through bibliomancy. I went to my bookcase, and as I was eyeing my little occult library, I was deep in thought about Obsidian and the upcoming full moon. And right away, I was drawn to a book called Gems in Myth, Legend, and Lore by Bruce Newth. I opened the book, turned to the Obsidian section, and the first sentence I read said, Most of the qualities of obsidian deal with focusing energy and making a clear path of action. It goes on to say that reflecting on the stone surface will reflect one's flaws and reveal a clear image of needed changes. I couldn't help but think of Bafana and her broom clearing out a path for new magic to come her way. But also, to me, it was a clear nudge maybe even like a push to do some obsidian scrying. Uh, Yeah, I believe so. (laughs) Um, There's this place here in in Manhattan called uh, Magic Jewelry. And you can go and you can have your aura photographed there. Um, And I kid you not, the machine says Aura Photographer 6000 on it. It's amazing. I used to go every few months pre-pandemic, but when you go, they kind of um, advise you on stones to work with. So one time while I was there, I picked up some obsidian. And after about a week, I had to hang her up for a while. (laughs) I need to hear more about this. What was that week like? Well, I think it's just kind of like what you're saying, like magically confrontational. Um, as an air sign, I feel like sometimes I just kind of like dissociate out and like la la la. But <laughs> after a week, um, it was just full of shadow and depth. And like you're saying, um, 
reflecting one's flaws in order to create a plan of action. And, you know, I always felt very held by Obsidian, but after so many days and nights, I needed to sleep deeply without working through my dreams and also without being presented with what some could describe as triggering situations. Like I also think of Obsidian as very persistent, so I'm not surprised that it returned to you again and again with a message. Although you're kind of reminding me now that maybe it's time to revisit that energy, especially now that I have someone to talk about it with. (laughs) Well, you might get a kick out of this then, seeing as how you mentioned in episode six when we were discussing Persephone and Pluto that someone suggested you explore the Plutonian side of yourself. And as I dug deeper into Obsidian, I was reminded that this stone is ruled by Pluto, both the planet and the god of the underworld. Mm -hmm. In our birth chart, Pluto, despite its small stature, is a very intense planet. It speaks to death and transformation and things that may be considered taboo. Pluto requests that we evolve, even if that means through death and rebirth, death and rebirth, again and again. So basically, it sounds like you spent a week in the underworld. Too typical. (laughs) (laughs) Did you receive the message yet fully from the obsidian, do you think? I believe so, or at least partially. Um, This past week, I've been imagining Bafana and her broom Mm -hmm. making a path sweeping out the old to make room for the new. And so I'm going to be following in her footsteps, sort of shifting the energy around in my space before a full moon scrying session with my obsidian slab. I'm hoping to illuminate my path in any which way I can as we step into 2021. I love that. I also feel like I need to have a proper broom now for a sweeping ritual because my Swiffer (laughs) is just no longer magical enough. (laughs) Uh, You know, it sounds ridiculous to say to anyone except for you, but I really like the brooms here in the Azores. I've never seen anything like it before, but you'll see city workers cleaning the cobblestone streets with brooms made from a large stick and the bristles made from leafy tree branches. It's the most accidental witchy broom I've ever seen. I think Labafana and all witches pretty much would be impressed. I love that. You're going to have to send me a photo after we get off this call. <laughs> Definitely. Which, speaking of witches that we'd like to impress, when working with depths, it's important, like Hecate teaches us, to carry a lantern. Yes, even when it comes to scrying, we rely on that light to show us the way. It's almost like a protective layer. I don't know if you know this, but it's said that Egyptian goddess Hathor created the first scrying mirror from a piece of her shield. This shield not only protected her physical body, but also gave her true sight. The shield reflected things as they were, not as they appeared. I've never heard that story, um, and I really love that shield energy. I think that 
the imagery of a guiding star or light is something that we can work with a lot too right now. Like lights come up a lot during this time of the year, like Ewa logs that we talked about last week, the star guiding the wise men from La Bifana, Hanukkah menorahs, lighting candles. Like it brings me back again to one of my favorite rituals growing up was on Christmas Eve when we would go to church and they would turn off all of the lights in the church and we would all hold candles and sing Silent Night. I mean, there was not a dry eye in the house. I can imagine how powerful that would be when I would sing in Christmas choir in grade school. The songs always gave me chills. Mm. Yeah, a simple act of lighting a candle, saying a prayer, or writing a poem during this time can be very potent. And like obsidian, candles can really guide us through what is dark. And maybe also show us that we shouldn't fear the dark. Mm -hmm. It's only here to teach us lessons and push us to explore the unknown or ignored aspects of ourselves. I love that. Dear listeners, we want to know what you're doing during this time. How are you accessing your magic? What rituals will you perform during the new year? And what questions do you have? Where do you want us to dive in deeper? Yes, we'd love to know what tools you use in your daily practice. Do crystals speak to you? Or is there anyone you'd like to see us interview in a future episode? And before we depart, we wanted to say thank you for the messages that we've received already. It is abundantly clear that we must do an episode on word witchery as we've received some gorgeous messages asking us to talk more about what it means to be a word witch. We also hear you on the Fey Folk. And in the new year, we'll speak a little bit more about working with those realms. We appreciate each and every one of you who have taken the time out of your day to write to us, leave us a review, and just to be a part of these weekly conversations. They are the highlight of our week. Yes, and thank you for being a part of our year. 2020 has not been easy, but because of magical communities like this one, we really do have a lot to be grateful for. So once again, thank you so much for joining us today on Magic and Alchemy, the new podcast from Tamed Wild. Again, we are Kristen Lizenby and Kate Ballou. You can find us online at Easton Alchemy or at K8 Ballou. Send us all of your questions, comments, or just say hello via email at podcast at tamedwild.com. You can view all the amazing offerings from Tamed Wild on their Instagram, at Tamed Wild, or on the blog, magicandalchemy.com. Join us for our next episode on January 13th in 2021 as we explore a whole new year of magic and alchemy. And just a reminder that magic and alchemy are always available to those who know where to look for it. So mote it be or something better. Until next time.